Welcome to the LA Realtor Podcast. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And we're getting to know the industry one conversation at a time. Welcome, everyone. Hello, hello. How are you? I'm good. Uh, we were just showing Paul here <laughs> our... Uh, what? The, the internet, the first internet videos. Muffins, <laughs> we looked at muffins... We looked at Charlie uh, and the Leo Pluridon uh, and Candy Mountain. What was this, the other one? Oh, the Badger thing, which I hadn't seen. Muffins was funny. Muffins? I, I oh, that it. was your sense of humor. I like blood muffins. Blood muffin was Cigarette funny. muffin. Paperclip muffin. So uh, is this really going to resonate with most of our audience? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so I think anyone... Here's the problem, Sarah. Anyone younger than you watches newer YouTube. Anyone older well, than right. you is me. But Okay, but the point is like, there were less videos at the time. Mm -hmm. So everybody kind of knew them. And this kind of goes into what we're going to talk about today, which is community. Right. Because there was a tighter community around everybody who had seen these first internet videos and everybody knew them. But now it's like, there's so much content out there. You couldn't possibly all know all the same videos, but there was a time when we did. So let's get into community. Let's get into community. Um, okay. Well, let me introduce our guest in that case. Yes. She's a local agent who is deeply involved in her community. And I think we want to hear all about this and her, um, her life and experience. And uh, welcome, Jenny Birchfield-Ike. Thanks for Thank having, you guys. being on here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Yes, our pleasure. <laughs> You're an, are you an LA native or, or how long have you been in LA? Uh, I've been here since 93, so it kind of feels that way. Mm -hmm. But I'm originally from Houston, Texas, and I made my way through New Orleans before coming here where it didn't get hot until just this year. <laughs> and you've been an agent for how long? Well, I feel like I've been doing it forever, but I've actually been doing this for four and a half years, almost five years. And uh, I made a big career change and jumped and I dove in headfirst and it's, uh, it's paying off. What did you do before? Well, I, I, I went to University of Texas. I studied uh -huh. film production there. I ended up segueing into New Orleans, where I was a staff writer for the mayor of New Orleans. I did documentaries for them. I was, uh, my boss was the mayor's press secretary and, and wrote speeches. And then I came out here and worked in production, Hollywood, Sam mm. Raimi, Rob Tappert. Okay. And I was partners with Jason Alexander for seven years, made TV shows and movies. Wow. And yeah, I have three sons, got divorced. And I realized when my son got into Carnegie Mellon that I would make a lot more money maybe selling real estate to pay tuitions than TV shows. So <laughs> I did, I was able to use a lot of that skill set of negotiations, of pitching, things like that into, to translate into real estate. So right. I have a fabulous partner, Harriet Cameron. We're the Wonder Women of Real Estate. She's been doing this for 45 years. And Doris Bonnelly, who does everything in our office. So it's, it's too good. Harry Cameron's been doing this for 45 years? She was. She was in escrow, like you, Sarah, for 10 years. And then she wow. uh, got in this and she's been like a top agent. She sold, Harriet sold about 3,000 houses, you know, three times in Sherman Oaks and Encino. Every house three times. Mm. She's been around a long <laughs> time. Sarah and I keep saying that a good guest would be someone who has been a real estate agent for over 50 years. Oh yeah. So <laughs> maybe we, we, five more years we got before. I, I'm calling Fred. I know where he is. Yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. We'll oh, get his info from you. There you go. <laughs> All right. Cool. So you are very involved in your community. You're on multiple committees and boards and, and you have a lot of involvement. 
in a lot of different things. And I just want to start getting into those because sure. community is kind of where it's at, especially in a, in a time when we do become so disconnected. Everything is so spread out and everybody is on social media and you can kind of become a little bit detached from your local surroundings. Mm -hmm. And before we got on air here, you were talking about like the power of, of community and saving a stop sign uh, that is going to save lives. Right. So I, I would just love to hear a little bit more about your involvement in those committees. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, since I turned 18, it was like the, the power of the vote. And I just, the more young people I meet, people that I meet, we kind of feel like we lo- no longer have a voice, that things are out of our hands in Los Angeles and the United States. And, and, and I really feel that we are very powerful and that we have to continue to, you know, put our words out there and kind of band together. So, um, yeah, on the smallest scale, you know, I had um, my neighborhood captain trying to get people to meet one another after coronavirus. I was so surprised how few people knew one another. And so we had little get togethers, little barbecues, and people are now feeling a sense of community with crime going up. They feel safer because we share information. And yes, we had a stop sign put up that all of Encino was upset because there's a you know, a ways, you know, thoroughfare. And uh, so we really fought to keep that to save lives. And we reached out to our council members. We reached out to the Encino Neighborhood Council, the different groups, and we have our stop sign. And so so that that was empowering. I've been involved with the Encino Neighborhood Council. They have so many different things that they do to help with, with traffic, property, homeless, you know, community outreach, the homeless count to really understand what's happening in our community. To get out there, they make it extremely safe, but you feel like you get a better understanding of it. And I also was, I'm a community police officer. I went through the training oh. with the CPAP and that was an eight week course. And it's really amazing to see what it's like to step in their shoes for a second. Mm -hmm. And it really changed my whole perspective about that. And I see that the police really do need our support and I have the utmost respect for them. So, you know, I I learned, you know, there's three dangerous professions. It's police officer, fireman, real estate agent. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Actually, we just chatted with... um... Invisaware's founder and they have personal safety devices. And she was telling us that real estate is one, one of, of the, the most dangerous um, professions because of the situations we find ourselves, they find themselves in. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, that was my first question when I joined up is like, where is the, where's the training on self-defense? Mm-hmm. Cause you are alone a lot and yeah. dealing with different characters, but uh, so far so good. We'll send you the podcast so you can listen to it. <laughs> oh, I would love to. Oh, I'm, I'm listening to all of yours. I love it. I'm oh, listening. I'm, I'm all caught up. <laughs> so I would love to just touch on the homeless situation because you have had a little bit of involvement with that just to give us an idea of what that looks like. You said the homeless count. Is that, what does that look like? What, what exactly is that? Yeah. Well, each year the, the city, it's really, it's around the entire country, but uh, the city of Los Angeles asked for different volunteers to go to their community centers to sign up. And it's, it's coordinated in small groups and through three nights of the, of the year, volunteers go out in their cars. It's very, very safe. And you do a little bit of training to be able to recognize homeless people, homeless encampments, cars that might have homeless people. And or that's not even it's not even it's people without it's not, I'm not even saying it correctly, but the unhoused, unhoused. right? Is the, the unhoused end? that has changed. And forgive uh-huh. me, I, I, I really always want to be educating myself on all the proper terminology. But and 
It's so it's it's easy. You never leave your car. You don't talk to anybody. It's something that allows you to really see kind of what's happening, and it helps the, the city get more federal funding from the government. If we have a homeless situation, which we all see that we do, and and it makes you feel good that you're really helping out, and you get to meet your neighbors. And and when during coronavirus, you're in separate cars. Now people get into one car. We mm. carpool maybe two or three hours. And then so are you guys just driving around and kind of like tallying what you're seeing on the street? Yeah, okay. exactly. It is exactly what you do. You do a count, they put it all together. But there's a lot of things I've done where we fed homeless, unhoused people like different churches and different organizations. And you really realize that there's such a, there's so many different people out there with different circumstances. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why like Karen Bass is really trying to make a change up. I know Caruso was too, to try to identify each person's problems and then try to find solutions for them. Because it's some people lost jobs. Other people have addiction. Other people might need mental wellness help. And so you, it's not, it's a mixed bag and it all helps when I people get involved. I'd love your opinion on this because obviously you've been involved and you've probably thought through homelessness a bit, but we clearly have a problem in LA, right? Uh, according to what I read, over seven in your count, in the count you guys did, over 17,000 homeless and unhoused individuals, right? I mean, that's right. clearly epidemic. <laughs> I mean, is there really like, I, I know you talked about services and I know that's huge, but how it just seems like such an overwhelming problem to deal with. How do you deal with 17,000? I know that they've talked about tent cities or hotel rooms or, but the sad part is, and I get it, we're all NIMBYs. And I didn't, I didn't, I wanted to say everybody's a NIMBY, but I, I really, we're all NIMBYs. What's and, a NIMBY again? Oh, uh, not in my backyard. So the point uh -huh, is uh -huh, where you right. live, if the apartment next door to you, they said, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to make an we're gonna make this a center. campus. Right. You'd be like, I, I, half of me wants I want to help, okay, but I don't want it to be that close. But I don't want it to be that close because I'm worried about yada yada. Anyways, you get the point, uh, Jenny. What's your feeling about this and maybe how this gets, if not resolved, how do we, how do we move this problem along? Well, that's a, that's a big question and I'll try my best to answer that. That's like the... I could yeah. be running for mayor next year if I answer this correctly. <laughs> we'll vote for you. <laughs> I, I know. I, I'd like to. Do you want to make? Do you want to make an announcement here on this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> City Council, Paul Coret's office. Um, no, my Alex, the head of uh, Encino Council, has my vote for that. But really, you know, it, it is interesting, and it is hard because it's become so massive. So, so many people have come to the West Coast because of the weather, the different programs. I think that we have a lot of people that need to be taken care of. It does seem like, it does seem like you could create some type of housing, even if it doesn't have to be in everybody's neighborhood. I don't know why it couldn't be kind of in the more industrial areas just here in the Valley, which is only a mile away, mm -hmm. creating areas that have an area where people who have dogs, creating housing for people that have children, for women that they're not with men. Like, so you have different scenarios to get different type of help. Um, I think that people, once they're, analyzed. Some people might need some mental help and also those that need shelter for different ways. So I think you could divide that up yeah. and kind of service people differently rather than it's just, you know, 17,000 people, what are we going to do with it? Mm -hmm. And I think they are trying to do that right now. I think that is a big task for Los Angeles. And I know that Karen Bass is, is making headway. At least that's what I'm reading. I'm not 
I'm not involved with her efforts right now, right. but I'm reading great things. You know what's hard about it? There's a couple of things. Number one, you can't just build a community. Like you're right. Let's say you take an industrial parcel and maybe even make it out of prefab or uh, container homes or something like that. They need services. It mm-hmm. will get out of hand if there's not mental health services and social services and food services. So they need services there. So it needs to be more of a community. But then also, sadly, with city bureaucracy and look, we need our government. Don't get me wrong. I'm not an anarchist. But the problem is, what you read is that when you try to do a build a project that's city driven and and then the unions are involved and everyone's got their hand out, then each unit costs a million dollars to build. Well, of course, that's not going to work because we have 17,000 unhoused people. So you got to do something financially responsible. So it's like every time you think, well, that's a really good idea. Let's just do that. There's this one big sticking point like, oh, it's too expensive or, you know, it won't work or the owner next door won't let it happen. Like it there's I don't know. I'm just venting at this point. What do you think? No, I I think it's right. And, you know, it is a bigger picture. I mean, I think what's happening in the world right now is post coronavirus. People are working more than ever, harder than ever. I think they're getting paid less. Our bills are, are huge. I just sent my, my kid off who's about to put him on an airplane and to go grab breakfast for us. And I just saw it was 50 bucks for, for two omelets. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh my God. Like, and I, I, I think there's a bigger, there's the homeless people. What do we do with people that are unhoused right now? But also how do we make sure to stop creating a bigger problem? Right. And it's like, you know, the water bills, electricity, insurance. I think that it's, it's making it a situation where it's it's hard for people to be in homes. It's you know, so I think that's a, something to kind of look at. How can we make life more manageable for everybody and also the people that also need that help? I think it's I think there needs to be a think tank kind of looking at the bigger picture and of why we keep why that number is growing all over America. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, I know you're on the neighborhood crime watch or you're the captain in your neighborhood. You're in Encino. (laughs) I think you said I, um, I'm in, I'm further West in the Valley, but we seem to have a rash of break-ins and it's always the same MO. They, it's during the day. They make sure nobody's home. They break like the glass, uh, your glass screen door, door. back door. They they're in and like five minutes later, they're out. Have you guys had those issues in Encino too? We are, we have been having those issues, and actually, I was about to reach out to Slow Walia, the different police officer, see if we could have a, a meeting about that. There, it, when that's happening, it's kind of that it's 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 pretty typical. It's neighborhoods uh, neighbors changing information, letting each other know, maybe on a WhatsApp type of program, like that we saw some weird activity. It's the police may say you know to leave them alone, but definitely you should turn on your lights. You should let people know you see them. Right. And just recently, this has been happening in several people in this area. But from hollering at at these folks, they've actually ran away. I'm not advocating that because I don't know when something could turn dangerous. But um, I think that, the again, the more active people are alert and how and if we get to know each other on our blocks and our communities, then it allows us to feel more comfortable to reach out to the person next door. Yeah. And that's that's been happening with me. We you know, we we people do come to me when there's something and we kind of let everybody know and keep an eye out, you know, but it's there's it's a bad situation. You know, it's Mm. a big that again is a bigger situation. I think certain areas are being targeted by this is organized crime. And it's it's really now it seems like the community talking about it 
is kind of making these people slow down a little bit because we're on them. We're watching. We know what they're doing. Yeah, I will say like in my, I live in a small apartment building and we have a group text. And if there's any, and everybody's got ring cameras, everybody's got, so if something uncomfortable is happening or there's somebody who we're like, who is that walking around this property? We kind of all get on there. We exchange information. We're like, oh, it's so-and-so he's here for me, you know, like, and it's really helpful. We had an incident like earlier this week where there was a guy an unhoused guy and he was walking around and he seemed kind of harmless, but he was laying down on people's like landings and walking up to everybody's doors. When I was sleeping, he was standing at my front door. (laughs) That made me feel really uncomfortable. Right. And it wasn't until a few hours later when he started taking things from people's porches and looking in people's windows and everybody's like, okay, we have to do something. But that was actually a hard situation too, because it was like, is there like a hotline we can call that isn't the police? No, there isn't. Is there? 311. You can call 311, you know, when there's a situation and, and they're now creating, because they're getting so many different calls, I think different divisions of that. But I do think it's, it's true. Ring is bringing everyone together because we had, even on my situation, on my streets, Somebody was breaking into cars. They came up my driveway. They got into my car. And I had to use everybody's ring we, to trace down the activity and turn that into the police. I don't know if they caught that particular person, but they did catch. They have been catching people because of ring. They have been yeah. able to identify and use that. So it's really great when we share that information. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But I'm hearing that they're using cameras against us because uh, somebody told me this could be rumor, <laughs> but you know, they have to figure out Jenny, like when you're not home, right? Like when there's no car in the garage, whatever. I heard they're parking a car with a little camera, like pointed at a house to try to figure out what times are good and like that house, nobody's home between two and four. I mean, or that sounds like a pretty professional setup. Yeah, organized crime. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't know that they're all, doing that just to do random break-ins. In homes, I don't know. Right? I don't know. We're all watching each other. But anyone sadly. could do that. And anyone could do that. You could stake yeah. out and, and watch somebody's home. Like, that's don't terrifying. Don't give me any ideas. <laughs> well, and I, and I have gotten, and this, this is... A, it's true. And it's funny. And I just think again, and I'm, I'm, I have, this is me. And I, so I can't advocate anybody else to do this and the police. But if you see something, you see, see somebody walking with a clipboard to say, Hey, how, what are you doing? Can I help you more than the more people that are doing something unusual or maybe call a security guard or call your neighborhood captain that someone like me that would might say, excuse me, can you help? Are you trying to get something done in this neighborhood? Because I think when they think there's awareness, they kind of move on along. If they think this is going to be difficult mm-hmm. and, but yeah, I'm going to be meeting with um, Slow Walia soon. So I'll be able to have more information to provide on that. What else do you want to, sorry, Sarah, what, no, else, what else do you want to do? You're already involved in things. Do you want to keep kind of growing your involvement in the, the community? Do you have any aspirations to do something in politics or not? Not really. Um, you know what? I would like to get involved in, in politics, actually. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm digging into real estate. It's been great. One thing I am doing, one of my back, when I first got uh, divorced, actually, I never get mad. I do jokes. And I, I started doing stand-up comedy. This was a little bit of this idea of I die every Sunday. Like, would I do this during a divorce? Would I change careers and tell people I'm not a producer? I'm a real estate agent. 
yes, if I knew I was going to die, I would do it. And I also have to pay major tuition. So it's, it helps. <laughs> but uh, my office, Kathy, Kathy King, our manager just said, Jenny, we heard you did stand up. Like we want you to do some, our agents have talent night. So I'm actually working out a few jokes to do about awesome. real estate, which will be fun. And I hope to, you know, there's on a bigger worldview, being in real estate is interesting because it really is about helping people. And where I have expertise is, is divorce and, and learning that you can get divorced and raise successful children. You can recreate yourself and define yourself, even though you've always had these, these ways of defining yourself, you can break that box. And I have found that almost everything, we really are our own obstacles to think that we can't do something different. So I think if people, so many women my age that have children, they don't know what they're going to do in their career. I think real estate is a great career for people because it's really is about community. It's, 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 I'm a closer because every deal has a middle ground to make people happy. So my future, I hope to continue to do real estate. Unlike Hollywood, you don't age out. I can be 90 years old and say, come on, sweetie. <laughs> I've sold 7,000 houses. Let's go. And when you are, we're going to have you back as the person with 50 years experience. (laughs) I'll be here. I'll be here for sure. But um, maybe that's maybe maybe there's a joke there in terms of being 90 and still selling real estate or am I? Okay, I'm going to come up with that. You know, Sarah's also a amateur stand up comedian. Are you not? Are you really? Uh, no, I mean you're I've done, I've done a little bit of stand up. I I've Oh, you're ver- being very too little. You're being too Oh modest. my god, yeah. I love that. It what, wasn't, what you, what was your topic? I did sketch comedy. Sketch comedy was more my passion. And then when, Like with Groundlings? I did a little bit of improv there at their school and then but I was with different troops. I was with a couple different troops over the course of I don't know, maybe 5 years and did a bunch of shows and that was like my passion, but when I didn't have that troupe anymore, I did try to do a little bit of stand up, but it's not quite the medium that I resonate with as much. I I think I prefer the written, well, improv written is, and rehearsed, which is which is your podcast. It's it's on your feet. You're thinking fast, you're being spontaneous, right? You know everything that's going on in the world. Jokes, you have to cry. It's like a yeah. puzzle. Seeing mm-hmm. where you get the laugh. Oh, they're so hard. And then, and working that joke until you, you so can get hard. it. Yeah, Paul but and I are opposites. He's always like, we need to have questions. And I'm like, whatever. We'll oh, just I thought we'll you were going to say we're opposites. I'm funny and you're not. <laughs> is that is that what no, you think the polarization no, is? No, That's cute. No, no, no. <laughs> no, you guys are, are very funny. Well, uh, we'll, we'll have to, I'll go do an open mic or something oh, sometime. No, that would be you. fun. <laughs> It's not, it's not for people like me who are introverts. They were like, that's like most my worst, comedians my, are introverts. I, it just seems like my worst nightmare. Although, Listen, no, I was gonna say my my producing side is saying you guys are definitely a show. You have <laughs> you have the voice, the personalities, the interests. Um, well, thank you for that compliment. No, I I've heard that I've heard some some comedians say that like doing comedy is ridiculously easy because the audience has showed up. They want to laugh. They've had drinks to prime them to laugh. So just right. That's that like right or maybe, but that's you have to get to that point. You have to get there. You have to get to that point. And okay. how do you get to that point? You have to start with open mics. You have mm. to have an in. Mm-hmm. You have to have somebody letting you go perform. Mm. All the shows you're doing before that is usually for other comedians, and it's not necessarily always the most supportive room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, she, she's uh, absolutely right. Sarah's right. But you have to say, I have learned in stand up. If you have that. Your first joke is your most important because once you win the audience, they'll stick with you. But if you come out there and you don't, you have a soft joke, then you're, you're pretty much dead. 
There's a good jokes and there's bad audiences. No, I, I like <laughs> the idea that you're doing real estate or real estate agent humor, right? Because if you're doing that with to your audience at your office, at Kathy's office, that should resonate, right? Like they should <laughs> laugh. You know? Yeah, you know, I, I, I and I'm sitting up going, I can't believe I'm spending time on jokes. But yeah, I was trying to figure out like there's... What's the office? What's the corporate jokes? Yeah. Like, you know, open houses are two to five and everyone shows up at five. I'm going to start having my open houses start at five o'clock or going a little bit like, how, what, what will you do to get a listing? You know, and right. I might, like I'm thinking the worst thing you could possibly do. But of course, those are the funniest jokes. So well, I won't air them now. They're not no, built, but I'm working on it. You're going to have Jason Alexander take a peek before you. I mean, that would be cool. <laughs> right. He's a funny guy. Or he Dave. is. Or, or Larry David, if you can get him. Oh, my God. Yeah, Larry David. Jason doesn't actually do stand-up comedy. Mm. People think about that, but he's just, uh, he's in actually New York directing a Broadway show. So, uh, but he's very funny. He's a theater actor, I think, right? Very he talented did. theater actor, isn't he? Jason Alexander is one of the most talented and nicest people I've ever right. met. It was really amazing to be partners with him for, mm. for so many years. And yeah, he won an Emmy. I mean, sorry, a Tony at age 26 wow. for Drew and Robbins Broadway. And, uh, so he's a real talent. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's a, for me, this, this business is very diverse. I, um, coming from different backgrounds and kind of bringing it all in has been fun. And you meet those other people that have been agents since they were 19 and they're just killing it. And you're thinking, oh my God, can I ever be like them? Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a great business. Amazing. Yeah. One last question. So coming back to getting away from comedy, coming back to your community involvement, what do you think, do you think it's important for realtors as a group or realtors individually to get involved in their community and, and what do they get out of it and what can they give back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, people talk about door knocking and farming and different things like that. And I think that what people really like is authentic people, people that care. And if you can find something that interests you and kind of dive in that, whether it's helping homeless, gathering clothes, helping dogs, that's huge right now, you know, animals and, and diving in and getting the community aware of that. It's just, I just think you gain so much you, friendships, people that you can count on your sense of community. And yeah, you'll probably get some clients out of that, you know? So I just think, I really think we can change the world and we just have to continue to speak up and ask and put out there what we think is good and like-minded. I know you guys do a lot for the community. Paul, you do a lot for the community, I believe. And so I think that's fabulous. Amazing. Right. Well, that was a fun conversation. Thank you for being on with us, Jenny. I'm so thrilled. This was my first one. I was a virgin and so nervous and y'all made it so delightful. So thank you Isn't it amazing? for taking tender care of me. You're, a, you're a natural. Thanks for being on with us. Okay. You guys have a great day. Thank you so much. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm Paul with Great Builds. And I'm Sarah Lehman. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. If you'd like to get in touch, please email us at larealtorpod at gmail.com. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.